Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Hey, you're listening to Trailer Rewind, a monthly conversation about movies you may have missed in theaters and are now available on streaming services. Every month we dig into the archives and view a film that Pete and Andy talked about in their trailer picks. 
JJ and I watch it and have a very spoilery conversation about it. Today, we're going to be talking about Burnt. This was Pete's pick from August 28th, 2015. Today is January 16th, 2018, and Burnt is currently available on Netflix. Before we go any further, you should check out our expanding back catalog for this show and its sibling shows at thenextreel.com. If you stumbled upon us, you can subscribe in your favorite podcast app or follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Next Reel. And whether you've just found us or have been listening for a while, you can definitely be part of our community. You can support us as a patron on patreon.com slash the next reel. That gets you into our Slack group where there's always a fun conversation about films. And this week, there's been a bit of discussion about the current Die Hard series and the quality of the sequels as Pete and Andy are working their way through that. As uh, Or lack of some... quality. <laughs> or lack of quality. A few people have jumped ahead or have worked their way through the franchise and are on the the last one in the series and there's just I guess discussion about whether that one's worth actually sitting all the way through and that's the one that I have not yet seen I haven't seen it either so, yes so in addition to being able to participate in engaging conversations like that you also get exclusive Patreon only weekly Saturday matinee episodes which is the home of the trailer picks and discussions of weekly film news and lists and you know how we love our lists yeah so, J.J., Pete said he loves movies that take place in the kitchen almost as much as he is a fan of zombie movies. That's crazy talk. He's a massive you know, zombie fan. Exactly. And he thought Bradley Cooper looked great. And I think it sounds like Pete might have a little thing for Bradley Cooper. Sure. I'm not sure. Sure. Uh, I do, too. That's cool. He's, a, he's, he's one of those best friends we haven't met yet. Yeah. Uh, director John Wells, Pete noted, was a writer of many episodes of TV shows like ER and The West Wing that he was a big fan of, so he was really excited about that. And Andy pointed out that it was scripted by Stephen Knight, and he was very excited about that aspect of it as well, because I know that he's a big fan of some of the scripts Stephen Knight has written, like um, Locke was one that I knew he had seen and enjoyed okay. very much. So this film, Burnt, is the second film starring Bradley Cooper and Sienna Miller. What was the first one? Do you th- first one was uh, American Sniper. Oh, okay. So I haven't seen that. Got it. Okay, yeah. cool. So, and I haven't either. So after seeing this, do you really think they have the right chemistry to deliver a satisfying film? That's a really good question. And I don't, I, you know, looking at this movie, it's it's unfortunate because I don't think it's necessarily supposed to be about chemistry between the two of them. I, I, I mean, jumping, like we're spoiling, eventually they do find a romantic connection. I never felt like that was actually a part of the movie. And that wasn't really what I was going for. So, you know, you posed that question to me. And I think the character that um, that Bradley Cooper plays, this Adam Jones guy, you know, and they they actually had I think it was Mario Batali be the chef, um, the chef consultant for the thing. They really had him be try to embody this really sort of not not emotion unemotional like really sort of jerk that is a chef. And so any chemistry, I don't know if it's a fair thing. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I don't know if it's fair to talk about their chemistry here because they didn't have it, but I also feel like that was purposeful in the movie. Well, you, you think about the the roles that they have. So he, he has the mentor and he finds her and sees that she's she's talented and skilled. So almost as an apprentice, right? right. Of somebody that, that he needs and depends on. And it, it's really her expertise 
that helps him get to where he is because as she points out he's old school right he's 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 outdated and she's going to bring in some new trendy stuff this is the way cuisine is moving this is the new direction not this old stuff there's a line she has where the, she says you know they talk about the frying pans is like the museum like yeah. nobody cooks that way anymore right. and so i thought the dynamic between the two of them was was interesting i was hoping for more of that and i was in, i was intrigued because i think it was in imdb like in their little trivia section um Bradley Cooper had said something about because of the fact that they had worked so closely together on American Sniper, which was just, I think, a year before, um, it helped them sort of shortcut to get to that what they needed to work with each other in some of those more intense scenes. Yeah, and I guess that's the point I'm trying to make, too, is that I think they yeah. they nailed the sort of uh, cold working aspect of the film. Okay. So yeah. when it, we're talking about chemistry, if we're talking about the fact that they do connect in a uh, intimate, loving way by the end of the film, I don't know that they do that, but they did exactly what I was looking for in terms of this sort of ode to um, hot cuisine, and you know this this really like this power stress. He called it violence at one point. Um, environment for for a. a, a a kitchen. And I think they nailed that. And I think that was what was more important to me about this movie. So was this what you expected it to be? Well, no. And I think the reason specifically why is you mentioned that Pete, when he brought up the trailer, he talked about how much he liked movies that take place in the kitchen. I don't have that similar affinity. I don't, I, I haven't seen chef. That's one that, that, that people have brought up in relation to this movie too. And I'm trying to think, um, the only movie that I can really continually think about, I'm thinking back to some old like Sarah Michelle Gellar movie where she has a magic crab <laughs> that helps her bake things with love. I don't, I don't remember the title of it. It's like one of her early movies with Freddie okay. Prince Jr. Uh, I, I'm gonna have to look it up uh, as we're talking about it. But in general, like I, I, I'm not really connected with that as a scene setter for films, like zombie films. I get, but so, so no, I didn't bring a whole lot of expectations to this movie. That being said, it was a very powerful film for me. It, um, it really nailed a lot of emotional cues for me it was a great emotional ride for me and specifically about his about adam jones the bradley cooper uh, recovery and what he was doing in recovery and how he was trying to get back i i won't say that i liked adam jones um but that's just because that sort of um jerky character trait that is supposed to be indicative of chefs is something that i don't really particularly have affinity towards that being said the story the real human story that goes into going through the negativity and the addiction and the things that actually had him hurt his own life and then coming through it with recovery through making amends and through really actually kind of traditional 12-step things i really really liked it and it really hit me in a powerful emotional way so i didn't expect that um and i was really happy with the result Wow, you had a completely different reaction to this film than I did. That's fair. That's interesting because I I was I was interested I was I was intrigued because I didn't know what your background was to bring to this film, like wh where this film falls. Because for me, it sort of felt like it wanted to do a lot of different things, and it just never really got there okay. for any of the different ways that I thought it was it was going to to go and. I've I've seen Chef, and actually, I, ironically, this film actually one of its titles had been Chef at one point, but then the John Favreau film got out there first, so there was a whole battle of like, okay, we got to change this right. this title. So it was of that time. There were lots of films like this, um, you know, this Chef, you know, type of thing. So I thought, well, is it because I'm carrying baggage from that one? I thought, no, I'm I'm coming to this 
because it's a it's a different type of story. Yes, you have a chef, you've got cooking, you've got lots of like, you know, these just beautiful shots of food. But for me, what I thought this set up from the beginning was almost like an Ocean's Eleven thing oh. where you've got you've got a guy who's got something in his past and he the whole beginning part is like he's going around, he's putting his team together. Sure. And it's like, okay, the the mission, the job is get the third Michelin star. So I'm right. I'm back, I've been out of I've been out of the loop, I'm coming back, I'm calling in favors, we're getting the old gang together, finding some new blood, and we're gonna pull off this big heist, basically, you know, the big job of getting the three Michelin stars. And so that's what I'm expecting. And it it didn't do that. Okay. And so then I thought, okay, it's Well it's definitely it's about- not lighthearted like that though either. No, 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 yeah. and it's not. Um, and then I thought, okay, it's about a guy battling his demons from the past, and how is he going to overcome them? And it just didn't get there enough for me. It seemed to me is it felt like it's trying to accomplish way too many things. There's a lot of backstory. There's a lot of history that it's setting up with a uh, setting up at the front end of all these characters that we're introduced to. What his relationship is to them. The, the conflicts that he's had with each of them, and it just seemed to be just front-loading so much history. And I thought, okay, what is all this leading to? And it, it didn't really, to me, satisfyingly fulfill any of those pieces. And it focused on him and what he wanted to do, which I thought, great, it's his story. But it just left us with these hanging threads. Like, for example, there's the new young chef, uh, I think his name's David. Yep. And it's like, you know, he's like, hey, you, you want to work for me? Would would you, How much would you pay to work with me? And it's, right. it's a really interesting, you know, scene that he's setting up of, you know, if you're going to learn from me, you should pay to learn from me. And hey, can I stay at your place? And yeah, we get that intro. And I thought, oh, this is going to be an interesting dynamic of the young kid that really wants to learn. And all we get for the rest of the movie is Adam yelling at David because he screwed something up. And there's not really any payoff to any of that. We don't see anything really about at least any significant time with David to see, is he learning? How is he responding to this? How is he improving himself to ultimately maybe help Adam, you know, accomplish the goal of the the three stars? Yeah. And it, it was, it was a setup at the beginning and, and no payoff at the end. So that's fair. And I, and I get what you're saying. And I think that potentially my view, the reason why my viewing of the film looks so different is because I saw those setups and immediately then the first time that he, so the first night, their opening night when it completely fails and he blows up at everyone, literally, you know, he blows up at everyone. That's when I realized that it wasn't, those weren't setups, that the movie is about him. And about his okay. journey. So David's journey is David's journey is not inherently important to the story of this film. This is just my interpretation, but is not inherently important to the story of this film. It's actually how Adam relates to David. And so the journey or the payoff is really like as it it, it actually sounds kind of cheesy. And this is this is th- something that I tend to buy into in movies is the family dinner. Right, like David's the oh, guy sure, who sure. Makes yeah. the, the, makes the pie, mm-hmm. right? So right, little yeah. stuff like that. It's the subtle change, but again, it's all focused on this Adam Jones character, um, as opposed to these other characters. And I can definitely see how if you took it from an Ocean's Eleven perspective, where you have each of these characters with some measure of significance to the ultimate um, goal of the story, then there that is thin, right? Then the story is weak. That being said, I mean, what a great concept for it to uh, knock those pins down right away and say no this is his story and then have the ultimate yeah. payoff be we do what we do which that line when he mm-hmm. come when the when the real michelin folks come in we do what we do was really powerful for me 
um, as opposed to the frenetic, crazy, terrible environment that we expect from a kitchen and that we we have seen demonstrated already a couple times in the film. Um, he embraces the team and he embraces the support that he has. I, I mean, I just, I really bought into his character story for that. And it could be because I love Bradley Cooper. It also could be that this is the kind of drama that I really enjoy. Well, I, I, I enjoy Bradley Cooper and I, I want to enjoy this film because it seemingly has everything that I think that I would enjoy and appreciate. And I guess for me, the, the turn that Adam takes from being the, it's all about me and I'm going to control everything. Cause as we see when he's in that kitchen, he's, he's on everybody and everything's got to be just perfect. And right. he's double checking everybody. And then to get to that turn, you know, at the end, as you say, where he says, we, we do what we do. And, you know, we're in this together. It's not, you know, he's got to that point where it's about the team, the restaurant, everybody, not just him getting his star for him. And to me, I just didn't, I guess, track that transition or where did it happen? I didn't have that crystal point where I can say, ah, here's the turn for him because we we have the crisis moment where they, they ha- think they have the Michelin judges there and his past comes back to on him because one of his team members basically betrays him and puts uh, puts some spice in with the salt, swaps something up as payback for something Adam did to him when he was uh, he called the like health inspector and released rats and the guys were basically you know Ugh, screwed him over big so time. So terrible, yeah. So you know his is his he's you know he says to Adam like that's for Paris and you know sets him over the edge and I just didn't see the transformation of how he gets back on track, his realization that this stops being about him because we we get a montage of like, clearly time's passing, but I don't have enough detail or context for the little clips of the montage to see he's becoming a better person. He's changed his attitude about the kitchen and how it works. And I just didn't see that clearly enough for me to get to, oh, it makes sense that now he's made this turn and now he's a different person. It just wasn't. That's totally fair. I guess. And I guess, yeah. and, and I guess the reason why I, in my initial thoughts of the film, I talked about really sort of traditional 12 step uh, processes with it is that um, if you kind of track his journey, as opposed to looking for a big character turn from him and you look at the initial part of the film as the shucking of a million oysters as a penance, uh, and then trying to figure out a way to make amends, you can actually look at that big Michelin uh, sabotage as potentially an amends. And if it's that, because honestly, I I, I kind of look at that big, like that's a climax, one of the climactic moments of the film. Mm-hmm. It's definitely one of the big crises of the film. And, um, and I think that inserting it in that way to have it break down in a way that's really simple, especially when he's being such a control freak and is really, you see him taste everything before it goes out. So how could that really happen? It feels a little bit set up for the film. But then if I put it in context of his relationship with Michelle, this person who sabotaged his food, as this was his amends, right? And then taking it through this whole drama of the film and where he goes and how he actually finds redemption through his own recovery. That's where it became really powerful for me. I agree that as a story element that it was somewhat weak, but for the context of the whole, it really worked for me. This is one of the things that frustrates me about a film like this is I always want to come to a film and give it the benefit of the doubt of there are, you know, 
hundreds and hundreds of people that put their time and energy into this. And I know there's a vision of what this film is to be. And so I I know no one sets out to make a really, really bad film. And I'm not saying this is a really, really bad film. I just felt like it, it fell short. And so I'm trying to figure out where my perception and experience of the film is not aligning with what their vision of what this film is supposed to be is. And I think I, right. I'm, you're pointing me to some things, which is helping me, I think, appreciate what the intent of the film is. Because that's that's what often frustrates me is, what is this film trying to do? Because I'm not getting what this film is trying to accomplish. Sure. And and so I think you're, you're, you're teasing out some things that I didn't see. And I think, all right, that's that's interesting, different way to look at it that I may have missed out on. So I'm I'm curious uh, to to hear a little bit more. Well, and the other the other point I would add to it is that I think it's visually really attractive. The film is very very. It is made as an ode to cooking, and to process, and to what goes on in really really nice uh, restaurants. I don't know if it's particularly accurate. I read some reviews on IMDb about the film where people were kind of, uh, you know, calling it out for not being exactly how things happen in a kitchen. I don't know that that's necessarily important for the story that they were willing to tell. You know, again, if if I'm buying into the context of Adam Jones's recovery, and that's what the story mm-hmm. is about, in the sort of subculture idea of this cooking world where we have to take it as given that he is this wonderkind for cooking, uh, I really think they did a good job of like simple things like popping the colors, taking time with the things that that they were showing us in the way that things were cooked, in the way that things were presented. There were some really nicely set up shots for that. Not a whole lot of movement in them, but it was mm-hmm. really kind of like a flip book for the beauty of cooking. And that's why, I mean, if we go back to Pete's recommendation of this, by the way, the Sarah Michelle Geller movie is called Simply Irresistible with a tagline <laughs> that says, a magical crab works wonders for a terrible chef's culinary skills leading her towards the man of her dreams who is not played by Freddie Prince Jr. It's played by Sean pa- Plat- Patrick Flannery. But regardless, that's my one experience with chef movies. And uh, and it's not the same and it's not as good. This was really, I, I thought this was really classy. And the way that they approached it when they tried to make a dramatic film that was based in this subculture of uh, chefs, of high-powered chefs and high, extremely extremely expensive and extremely important cuisine. I think they did a really good job of that. And I thought it was really beautiful in that way too. Oh yeah. I agree that, I mean the film, the food shots, it's, it's got gorgeous, you know, food scenes in the kitchen. I really like that accuracy. You've, you've got to shortcut some things. You've got to do what works best for the story. You've got to work within the limits of, we have a camera crew running around in this kitchen filming, right. you know, people working. So yeah, there's going to be compromises and, and things. But to me, it, it really holds that up and says, Hey, this is important. And we're going to treat this with respect. And from, from what I've you know read on IMDB and the trivia and the background, you know, they had a lot of, you know, chefs that were, that were there training the actors and how to how to do things and i always respect that when filmmakers say we value this this you know so much that we want to bring in the experts so that we can do it justice to how we're going to present this in film we're not going to just have you know oh what do you think a chef does we're going to get trained chefs or master chefs come in to train and i think that shows and i feel like that Um, came through in a way that didn't come through and simply irresistible (laughs) <laughs> exactly. So I want to come back to so looking at his his sort of penance as, sure. as a key point because we, as I said, a lot of you know when we 
meet him at the beginning. He's, you know, he's, you know, it's the oysters going to shuck a million oysters. And we get a voiceover sort of explaining how he got to that point, sort of what is his little, little bit of background. And a lot of, as I said, a lot of the story is up front, all this history. So we learn a lot about his past. So I want to sort of walk through that. Uh, you know, what are the, th- what are sort of, what are the sins of his past that he's paying penance for? Cause we do have the people he owes money to that continually just rough him up right. throughout the film. Drug money, specifically. Um, drug money, about. which, which he has, you know, he, and I think it's one of these sort of save the cat moments of, yeah, he, people have wanted to give him, help him out and help pay off this debt. And he's, you know, said, no, I will take care of this myself. Right. Because he's got lots of friends with lots of money that could have helped him out. And he's like, no, this is, so it's that sort of, he's an honorable person. He may be a jerk in the kitchen. He may be rude and you may hate the way he behaves in the kitchen, but hey, we're going to give you this because he's an honorable guy who's going to pay off his debts. But we also have, you know, we've we've got the betrayal at the Paris restaurant um, that, that comes back to bite him. But we also have his relationship with the other, um, the other chef, with the other the other chef, exactly, who's got his restaurant, who's sort of at the top of his game, and there's this rivalry. And this is the thing that's interesting to me is there's this sort of I can't I don't know how to describe the the relationship that they have. Because it's they they're rivals, but they're respectful of each other. They but they worked together when they were getting started, and so that's the part that to me is I try as I try to tease out what to make of that of what Adam gets from that relationship of rivalry. Is it two competitors trying to always one up each other? So I, I don't know if you could maybe just sort of talk about what, how you see that working towards Adam's sort of ultimate transformation. Well, I think that in general, it, it's kind of summed up when it, that character's name is Montgomery Reese, right? This other yes. this other okay, chef yes. that's doing it. And when the other chef literally saves him from suicide um, and and Adam asks him the next morning after he makes him a fabulous omelet because this movie's all about food. Uh, you know, why did you help me? And he and he says, I mean, he gives him what three lines, three lines total, where he says, "You're better. Yeah. You're better than me. We need right. you. Meaning the community needs you. Right. We need you to push us to places we haven't been before. So it's kind of like the part that I get into this about how Adams." Adam's path through this movie is how he believes that he's in control. He believes that he is the one that's doing all this. And what the breakdown has told him from the sins in the past, and even from the sins, the amends and the things that are coming here, this, his, his path through these steps is for him to learn that he needs people and that people need him. And that's, and for me, that's just such a beautiful sentiment and something that people don't really don't really talk about and and don't really necessarily express in film. And I think they do a really good job of doing this in this movie. If you get beyond some of the things that people look at as potentially, you know, this big, this big sabotage piece, that's kind of feels like deus ex machina, you know, for the purpose of the story, as opposed to something that would actually happen. If you can get beyond that kind of stuff and look at the purpose of the film. I think it's really about humanness and what it's like to be the top person at something and he talks about that too, that he was maybe given too much success too young and he didn't know what to do with it. So he sabotaged it. So you take a look at like how, well, how that can mess with someone's head and how really as people, we just need people 
and people need and people need us too. I don't know. I, I found that to be really beautiful. And in that scene, I never expected him to help <laughs> him to help him when he's trying to suffocate himself with the you know with the freeze dry condom because yeah. because every time these two characters interact earlier in the film, everybody's trying to make sure that there's someone with with them so they don't beat each other up. But that moment of tenderness is again a point of the idea behind you know making amends, paying penance. Uh, learning about what true love is in the community, in the universe and how to give and accept it. I, I again, I, I may be overstating it, but this is where the movie hit me. That's why this kind of drama works for me. So you're saying that Adam Jones has Luke Skywalker syndrome. <laughs> in what way? I actually like this better than the last Jedi. So, so of, of a, of a, a young man who's told he's got all this right, talent yes. and, and ha- carries this burden of people have high expectations of him. And so he's got to live up to this myth or this legend that people have sort of put upon him and he's got to carry that burden alone. Yeah. So what he does is he isolates and makes himself, you know, yeah. milk what Zen cows on a <laughs> random Island until exactly. he just can't do it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So, okay. I like it. So it's a, a similar thing of, okay, yeah, I can, that's what this is. This is, Kitchen Wars, Kitchen Wars, the last Jedi. <laughs> so the other the other story that sort of is woven into his past is we get a little bit about his uh, mentor, Jean-Luc. Yeah. Because Jean-Luc passed away. His father the, figure. His father figure. He gets the knives, but there's he had a relationship with Jean-Luc's daughter, who's yes. played by Alicia Vikander. Yep. And perhaps I'm biased because I read about this, because as I said, I, I just struggled putting everything together and I guess I'm perhaps just latched onto something that I can grab as an excuse to point to say, yes, this is why I have problems with this film. Her whole, her character, that storyline was not part of the original script. Harvey Weinstein basically said he was so enamored of her that he asked her to play a part in the film, a part that did not exist in the original script. So Harvey decides, I like her. We're going to put her in this movie. Fix it. Put Make the it kid work. in the picture. Yeah. I, Put the kid in the picture. And of yeah. course, you know, with the current state of affairs, that makes us just like cringe. But um, right. yeah, I I think it's interesting. I mean, who would have paid off his debt if she didn't? I actually like the way that happened in the story. Um, I don't know. I don't know where they go with that part of the story if she's not in it. What do you think? Well, that's what I was trying to figure out is I thought, well, if I take that out, because then again, I'm focusing more on sort of like the team, you know, sort of heist and job. It's like, then I, if I eliminate that story altogether, then I get more time to flesh out his relationships with each member of his team, which Uh, is what I was looking for. I want more time with, okay, here's more with, the kitchen here's more with how the team works together or how the team is trying to work together despite his arrogance and ego getting in the way that dynamic i wanted to see more of because i loved you know seeing you know i want with a movie like this i want to be in the kitchen more i want to see the dynamics of how they work or don't work let me me see the dysfunction that's going to lead to the failure so that then i can see what the functioning kitchen looks like that's going to lead to our success right and that was all backstory in this movie Right, exactly. Yeah, I think that's fair. I get it, it, it I, again. That wasn't where I was going with the movie, so um, right. I can see how that would be disappointing, especially if you were looking for the Ocean's Eleven vibe, because it definitely doesn't go to that. No, not at all. I I was expecting so much to like this, and then so disappointed that I did not like it as much as I hoped to like it. It's like, why can't you be the film I want? What about the Tony okay. and Adam relationship? I think they helped. They dealt with that in a very um, lighthearted and. And so a dramedy sort of way. I thought they did that well. Oh no, yeah, 
No, the oh with with Daniel Burrell's character. Yeah, with the yeah, crush but, that he that, had on Bradley oh, Cooper yeah, and everything. No, uh, oh no, that those two guys. That's yeah, that's the the partnership that you know has to exist. Of uh, no, I think they handled that, you know, really well. There's again, you know, characters that have a history with each other. I mean. Apparently, in the the world of of high cuisine, it's like a small world where everybody knows everybody and it's right. worked with everybody at, at one point. Um, but you know, when Adam shows up and you know says, "Look, you've got this," you know, basically your father gave you this job, and I'm going to help. You know, you're going to help me. I'm going to help you. And the dynamic between the two of them. No, I I loved that. I thought I had no issues with that at all. I thought that was handled very well. It's just this nice, you know, sort of. Tony's got this unrequited love right. for for Adam, which gets paid off too. I mean, you know, that's that's kind of the beauty too is that you know they they try to deal with their their sort of uncomfortable non non relationship dynamic through the film, and then when they have their moment together, when Tony does something great for Adam that gives him a new right. lease on life, they yes. are able to embrace in a really special way. That I love that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't have any any issues with that. Good. And the, I guess the other the other sort of I guess important part, particularly to your approach to this movie, is one of the conditions because of Adam's past of sure. you know drugs and alcohol and all of that. One of the conditions that Tony sets basically is you yes you can run this kitchen, but you have to go in for drug testing. It's like weekly or something, and meet with sort of a, a therapist, yeah, or something who's going to administer these tests. So that that character is played by Emma Thompson, and so that's the other. Again, to me, there's just so many characters and so many stories that I I wanted more of, and this was another one of those where I thought you've got Emma Thompson in this great role, you've got Bradley Cooper, you've got this great opportunity to to really delve into him to dig into his issues. We don't spend that much time there right and uh, honestly like that actually leads into one of my favorite scenes one of my favorite love hate scenes in the movie because in one of the drug testing scenes he's it's i think it's the last one that they show but he's wearing a black t-shirt versus the white t-shirt all the other times that's what i remember from it but they set it up where she's trying to get more in depth with him and he strangely walks out onto the terrace and then walks back in as they're talking which is completely there's no reason for that but they get into this more in depth of what does it mean to get these three stars for you and he talks about immortality and what does it mean without it? And then he says death. And I think then she goes into sort of similar to like what we just saw in Molly's game a couple of weeks ago. She gets this sort of free therapy of saying, um, you were put up, uh, you were told you were good when you were young um, and you, you were given this thing and, and it's given you this, this belief that you need to affect everything. But in truth, we need each other. And that scene Again, you're right. There wasn't enough Emma Thompson in this movie. I mean, she's Emma Thompson, right? But right. But she was able to deliver that super important line, and that that scene actually is the scene that stuck with me the most from this movie. Had dinner with Tony last night. Wasted his night off with you, huh? We talked a lot about you. Isn't there a rule that analysts have about discussing patients with other patients? I'm not your analyst. Oh, God. You know he's in love with you, don't you? Yes. He didn't relaunch the restaurant to impress his father. He did it for you. Yeah. He wants you to get your third star. Even after all the pain you've caused him. He wants to see what you'd be like without a knife in your hand fighting for your life. You know, people pay prostitutes extra to fake orgasms. Maybe Tony pays you extra to fake concern. Tony? 
me what frightens you. Spiders, death. Well, or maybe the imperfection of human relationships. The imperfection of others, of yourself. What happens if you get this third star? Oh, not if, when. All right, when you get it. Celebration. Fireworks. Sainthood, immortality. Perfection. Mm-hmm. Sure. What happens if you fail? Plague, pestilence, seas rise, locusts devour. The four horsemen ride and darkness descends. Death. Sure. Okay, this is for free. Someone told you when you were very small that you were good and the world was good and everything naturally would be good. And then the serpent served you a bad apple and for all your bullshit you can't take bad, not in a, a souffle, not in an apple and crucially not in a person. Should I be writing this down because I don't have a crown? Whatever it was or whoever it was in the past, it's time to get on with it and you can't do this alone. There's strength in needing others. Not weakness. Make sure to thank Tony for those kind thoughts, Doc. Oh, that wasn't Tony. That was all me. Who do you think would enjoy this film? Or who would you recommend, you know, this film to? Somebody that liked what other types of films or who does this appeal to? Because I, I would say, I would have thought going, hey, if you like, you know, a, a, a loner, outsider, getting a team together to pull off a big job, you're going to love this movie. <laughs> yeah. But but no, you won't. No, it's, so, it's not a heist we, film. That's for sure. No, it's not. But it, it's setting itself up, man. I just yeah. love those movies. I know, This I is not too. that movie. So yeah, I so. will say, to answer your question, I think we go back to that initial recommendation from Pete. I actually think people that love food are going to love this movie and especially love the process of making food, you know, in that sort of really going through the procedural way of what it does. I think this is, it, there's a little bit of a love story to that in this movie and they do it in a really beautiful way. The other piece, the I just watched it this afternoon, but I've already recommended it to a lot of people who are going through really tough times in their life, who are, okay. who are dealing with sort of the wreckage of their life and how to put the pieces back together. That's, I mean, for the own, my own stuff that I'm dealing with in my life, that's where this movie hit me. And I actually, I was super weepy in this movie. I cried a lot. Oh, but they, they cheated in one place too. I have to tell you, I want to hear who you okay. recommend it to too. But the big scene though, so the first Michelin scene, when they come yeah. in, um, he comes in, he just got beat up by his drug dealer buddies, right? And then they like, oh, the Michelin people are here. The, mu- yeah. the music cue in that section, the whole, mm-hmm. the, all of the instrumental is from Donnie Darko is originally composed oh. by, I believe the composer is Michael Andrews for uh, Donnie Darko. And Donnie Darko is like one of my favorite. You'll see at the com. you'll see that, you know, my my wallpaper is all Donnie Darko. So when that came up, I like literally, I sat up on my couch and I was like, wow, here we go. Uh, and it's because, so it, they were totally cheating for me to bring me there emotionally. But I wept through a lot of the movie. And I think that people who are dealing with really hard times and looking for uh, recovery that isn't perfect, that has failure along the road when it's potentially going to get harder before it gets better. I think this is kind of a redeeming movie for those people. So I'm already recommending it to those kind of people. Okay. No, and I I, I see that side of it now that you've sort of connected the dots for me to sort of see that, see what the story really is, what, what the journey is, because it's not so much about achieving the goal. It's really about the realization of, as a damaged person that's struggling, you know, you, you, you're trying to get your life on track that you can't do it yourself and you need those other people around you. They depend on you and you need to be sort of vulnerable enough to allow yourself to depend on them. Right. 
I'm going to recommend you watch Chef. Okay. Because again, it's it's a food thing, and it's not the exact same story. But it to me that Chef is a little bit more about approaching it from the the artistic side as the as the chef as creator. Okay. And who has who has control in the creative process is, I think, the story. And I, after I saw Chef, I thought, oh, is this sort of John Favreau sort of severing ties with? I like him know, a lot. Disney, I like him a lot with, so. with Disney, but he he's still working for Disney. I mean, he just did uh, Jungle Book and he's doing Lion King. So to me, it's sort of that statement of the maybe the artist and being truly independent and sort of whether or not you have to sell your soul to be successful or if it is really finding that true partnership. So it's a different piece there but uh yeah i i think i may have to go back and revisit this because i said i wanted to love this movie and i just had i think different expectations that i put upon it that that got in the way for me enjoying it from what it was trying to accomplish and what you're saying is that chef is also better than simply irresistible yes (laughs) i have not seen simply irresistible magical crab because i telling you magical magical crab (laughs) because the nine yeah the 90s they were an interesting era that's that's 1999 very good capital oh oh my goodness so where did this one land on your flick chart it's really interesting um and you know we just did molly's game and and i think there's a there's a parallel here too because um is it john wells or wellie yeah john wells john wells john wells he was also a writer on west wing so there's you know kind of a a sorkin connection there I actually like this a lot more than Molly's Game, uh, and I'll just put that out there because of the emotional curve. I talked about on the Molly's Game show that I wasn't bought in until they brought us in with the emotion of the psychoanalysis of her father. That's something that I missed in Molly's Game that I felt through this. I felt the passion. I felt the emotion throughout this movie. So this movie actually shows up really high uh, on on my flick chart and in a place that it's kind of following a lot of our trailer rewind movies that are really strong movies. So it ended up as number number 35 for me out of uh i'm at 165 and the interesting thing is stacked there number 33 is miss sloan number 34 is faults i actually would probably put this movie above faults but not above miss sloan and then what it shows up above 36 is apocalypse now which oh wow and i i I get the historical significance of apocalypse now but this movie connected with me personally in a way that that movie is never going to be able to so that's why it's there and it's in that pod of um really good trailer rewind movies that we've watched over this time wow yeah so it, it did not fare as well for me i hear that from you. It, it, it ended up at 157 out of 300 so slightly right below half yeah but it, it ended up in a really weird spot for me and i realized i got a i got some re-ranking i need to do i think because yeah. it ended up just above inglorious bastards which oh I, I, it's not one of my favorite tarantino and i, I think i know you enjoy that one I do. probably a lot yeah. more than i do and then just below Get Out, which to me, oh. Get Out is really low. And I don't know how it ended up so low on my Someone's flick chart. Someone's been messing around with your flick chart. Flick chart, exactly. Because I'm like, Get Out should be a lot higher than that. Right. Something I got to go rewatch and, and re-rank and take care of. So, But it's it's in the middle. So um, in terms of things that you might be able to connect to, uh, you were on the film board for The Circle, yes. weren't you? Yes. Yeah, so it's... so. 157 burnt 158 inglorious bastards 159 the circle okay so that's sort of where i'm sure i'm putting it but that's with the first filter i had so right. i had started watching this one uh, my wife saw about the first quarter of it and then something came up and she didn't get to finish it with me so 
I may have an opportunity to rewatch it so she can finish it and I get a chance to see it again with a fresh perspective, which is something I'm I'm looking forward to. I wanted this almost to be like a short miniseries because I, I felt like there was so much more because I was looking for more from the characters. And I think that's where I was. I felt like, wow, there's such a bigger story to tell. You're giving me all this rich history and I want to get more into that. But if I approach it just focusing on Adam here and, and his path, I think... Maybe I'll, I'll find myself in a different place. And I actually think it's good for us to have this discussion about it because, you know, when you come to a Netflix movie, this is going to work for some people in, in, in the way that it worked for me. And for others, you're probably going to look at it as, you know, this is why it's sitting alone in a trailer rewind where most people missed it. Um, but right. I think I think it has value and there's so many people in this movie and it's done in a very attractive way. So uh, I think it's a good good for us to talk about for sure. Oh, yeah. I think it's definitely one to to check out uh, it's not something where i'd say oh avoid this right if you're looking for something on netflix yeah, definitely put this on it it may not be exactly the the thing you're looking for but maybe our conversation gives you some inroads and uh and maybe you'll love it because it's definitely worth watching it's something i would I'd definitely recommend people sit down for me it's like one of those nice saturday afternoon ones gives you some right. inspiration for cooking a nice meal on saturday <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> So, JJ, here at the next reel, we say that when the movie ends, the conversation begins. And I've enjoyed our talk about Burnt. But now that this conversation is ending, it's time to start another movie. What have you got coming up next? I'm still chasing down. I feel like we I've told you this like every time we do this for the last two months. <laughs> I'm still trying to chase down Blade Runner 2049 in the theater because I missed the film board version of that. And it's, it's literally number one on our film board flick chart. <laughs> And I haven't been able to see, and I want to catch it in the theater. At one point, it was playing in our um, Museum of Science and Innovation. It, oh, it's wow. in their Omnimax. Okay. The, and I tried to yeah. get in there for that. I missed it there, but I'm trying to do that. I just had a really long stint with my kids, which was great. Uh, but so I was totally doing kids' movies. Like I just saw Jumanji, the, the new Jumanji. I actually thought that was, oh, yeah. that was a lot of fun. Oh. Um, and it, so I've been doing a lot of kids' movies. So this is now my chance to like get out there and really catch Blade Runner before it gets off the big screen. How about you? I. Is it is it still out there? On it the is. Big it's on, it's the, in the cheap theaters, but I mean, honestly, okay. like, it, I I want to see it on the big screen before it goes away. Oh sure, sure, yeah. No, I'm I'm trying to gear up for my Oscar. You know, what what are going to be the Oscar picks? Sure. So I uh, hoping to get out and see the post. You know, yeah. Spielberg. I always love to see a good Spielberg. Um, so anxiously, you know, trying to schedule some time, trying to find uh, when I can get out to see that, because I have a feeling that's going to be uh, on lots of lists. Um, just saw this past weekend, uh, Shape of Water, so which is a really fun sort of modern fairy tale. Right. Um, not for kids, though. No. Definitely R-rated, but I've uh, really enjoyed that one. So, yeah, I'm sort of in my Oscar prep mode. Try I, to get I, to I, Tonya. It's really good. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Okay, that's another one on my list. That's right. I forgot about that when you were just. Uh, that's that's the other true life uh, story to yep. to make sure to see. Okay. I'm evangelizing uh, Itanya to the world. Okay, I'll, all right. You're, you're evangelizing it probably almost as much as Movie Pass. Movie Pass was running a promo where if you went and saw it, I think it was by Friday this past weekend or something, you were entered into some contest. So people are now starting to have some ideas about now that MoviePass has a million subscribers, they now have some weight that they can throw around of like, oh, you want people to see your movie? We've got a million people we can direct to your movie. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting model. Yeah, that's a good way to promote it for sure. Uh, oh, also, before we go about uh, a rating, I, I would have given this movie a four star rating. Oh, four star. Yeah. So it's it's really high for me because of how how much of an emotional effect it had. See, I'm I'm sitting at two right oh, now. Oh wow! So. Okay, 
Yeah. See, I'm not now, even now gathering you know, that from you on this call. So that's now, now you know. Now you know how I feel about your Molly's game uh, star rating. When you were like two and a half, I was right in the middle. I was like, what? Oh, you're yeah, saying this okay. is below so average. Is like, <laughs> yeah. Well, three three stars for me is is you know solid rewatch enjoyable. But like I said, I'm gonna give it another shot, and it may. I'll let you know if it comes up. A that's little. fair. For you that are listening, if you haven't already, please give us a rating and review over on iTunes. It helps other film fans discover us, and we hope that you will help other film fans discover us because there's nothing more thrilling than discovering a group of like-minded fans online. It's like finding a new home or a new kitchen. And once you found us, follow us on Facebook and Twitter for assorted film geekery posts during the week. Or even better, help The Next Reel by supporting us as a patron on patreon.com slash thenextreel. But the best thing you can do is go watch a movie with a friend and sit down and have a conversation about it. And if it's one that's been discussed on any of our shows, let us know. We love hearing from you. Hondo. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.